0: Hello everyone, and welcome to the Strange Matters podcast. Here at Strange Matters, we discuss everything that is mysterious, bizarre, and unexplained. I'm Sean, and I will be the host for this episode. In this episode, I will be discussing a particularly dark and morbid series of events that occurred in Bridgend, located in South Wales. Over the span of several years, this area suffered from a string of suicides at a much higher rate than normal. Worse still was that many of the deceased were unfortunately quite young, some in their early teens. This unusual trend sparked global-wide attention as the media caught on and spread the news about these deaths. This small Welsh county suddenly became the spotlight of curious people all around the world who were wondering what was causing all these people to suddenly take their own lives. Though there have been other cases of cluster suicides before, the events at Bridgend are perhaps the most well-known in the modern world. In this episode, I will be discussing the events and times surrounding the Bridgend suicides. Along with this, I will be talking about the media frenzy that occurred due to the baffling nature of this story. Also, the views of the family and police who had to handle this sudden and unwanted attention will be covered as well. The topic for this episode was suggested to us by our listeners Stacy and Jackie, So, thanks to them for bringing this dark piece of history to our attention. Also, before we get started, because this is a pretty heavy topic, I want to give a warning that this episode contains disturbing subject matters as it deals with many cases of depression and suicide, so be advised that this episode may be uncomfortable and upsetting for some listeners. As for the location, Bridgend is a county borough located in southern Wales, though it is one of the smaller counties in Wales it does have a higher than average population and density compared to some of its neighboring regions. This area would likely have gone unnoticed by most of the world if it wasn't for the events that occurred in the late 2000s, when seemingly there was an epidemic-like outbreak of suicides that happened over several years. As of February 2012, there were 79 people from Bridgend who have taken their own lives over the recent years. Most of them were between the ages of 15 and 30, Once this story became worldwide news, many writers, reporters, and interested bystanders all over the world thought up numerous ideas and theories for explaining what was causing this trend. Some thought it could be a type of suicide cult. Others blamed it on the isolation of the area or the culture. Law enforcement and residents of the area attempted to bring up more logical causes, such as family troubles or mental illness. Whatever the case, people all over the globe were now interested in this little community and when, or if, this deadly trend would ever stop. One of the strangest aspects of this case is how similar all the suicides are. With a few exceptions, nearly all of them were caused by hanging. The bridge and deaths were referred to as something called a suicide cluster, which is a term used for when copycat suicides and suicide contagions reach a much larger scale. Such events have been seen in different places throughout history, when one suicide in a community or school or some other close-knit group serves as a catalyst for others to follow. Most clusters or copycat-style suicides, however, usually only result in a small number of deaths, and that is what makes what happened at Bridgend rather unique. Dr. Lisa Boski, an American doctor who is a teen suicide and mental health expert, said about this case, This number of suicides in one area is completely unheard of. Here in the States, we don't have anything that's extreme, but suicide clusters do happen. Only a few of the eventual victims would leave a letter behind describing the cause of their actions. It is interesting to note that a good amount of those who took their own lives were connected in some ways to others who had committed suicide previously. Some of these same individuals were watched closely by their concerned family and friends, and despite their conviction that they would not follow suit, a disturbingly large amount eventually did. According to numerous family members of the deceased, the deaths came with little warning and were a complete surprise. One of the earliest suicides that would begin to spark media attention to Bridgend was the death of Dale Kroll. Dale was an 18-year-old young man who had suddenly vanished. The teen was supposedly last seen stating he was going to go over to a friend's house. But after that, there would be no news of him for several months. On January 5th, 2007, the body of Dale Kroll would be found hanging in an abandoned warehouse. Considering the circumstances around his sudden disappearance, the initial thought was that the 18-year-old had been murdered. However, after his autopsy examination, all signs would point to the notion that Dale had taken his own life. This realization came as a shock to many who knew Dale, as he was well-liked and described as a normal, happy-go-lucky teen. From there, the bad news would just gain momentum. Less than two months after Dale Kroll's death, 19-year-old David Dilling, the friend who Dale was actually on his way to go see on the day of his death, would take his own life as well. David was found hanging from a tree behind his church. Just as with Dale Kroll's death, David's also came as a complete surprise. As though his family and friends knew the death of his friend had been quite upsetting, they saw no signs that he would also commit suicide. The horror of death would not stop there, as there would be yet another tragedy in Bridgend. Thomas Davies, another friend of the recently deceased boys, walked to the local church several days before David Dilling's memorial service. Later, Thomas would be found hanging from the tree right next to the one that his friend had died on. The shock of these deaths, three seemingly normal and happy teenage boys, was a horrible situation for their families and loved ones in the area. Though tragic, some could see how their suicides would be linked. The close friends must have become overwhelmed with depression and anguish, and taken their lives after each other, one by one. What could not be predicted, however, was that this disturbing trend of suicides from young people were not coming to an end, but simply beginning. Soon thereafter, more suicides would be reported throughout Bridgend. In the spring of 2008, a 17-year-old named Zachary came home from a night of partying and drinking, and for unknown reasons, upon arriving at his house, Zachary wrapped his t-shirt around his neck and hung himself from the family's clothesline. Within days of this, 15-year-old Nathaniel Pritchard would also be discovered dead. Just as with Dale, David, and Thomas' suicides earlier, Nathaniel's death could be closely linked to two others as well. Nathaniel's cousin, Kelly Stevenson, also decided to take her own life just hours after her cousin was found, making a noose out of her bedroom's robe belt and hanging herself while she was staying in her uncle's house on vacation. Her parents, Michelle and Dean, fell apart after the loss of their daughter. As time would go on after their death, Michelle Stevenson had believed that they were finally getting back on track even deciding to go see a counselor to manage their grief. But, unfortunately, things took a turn for the worse. About a year after the death of her daughter, on one day, Michelle looked out of her bathroom window on an April morning and saw her husband, Dean. He was hanging, having tied his jacket around his neck, and hung it from their three-year-old daughter's swing set. It is noted that it is quite unusual for girls to kill themselves by hanging, as typically the more common methods of suicide for females are often caused by an overdose of some kind or by wrist-cutting. But now that young girls were dying in this unusual method, the media attention reached their highest numbers. Kelly Stevenson wasn't the only girl who would kill herself in this fashion, as just two days after her death, 16-year-old Jenna Perry would also be found dead as well. And the year before, a young teen named Natasha Randall would be the first female to take her own life in this seemingly unstoppable trend. The tabloids and newspapers were now filled with front-page stories of these deaths, showing pictures of the deceased pretty young girls and the seemingly happy, smiling boys. The media attention was at its peak in this time, even showing off lists of the dead and adding to it every time a new suicide was announced. The morbid fascination of readers around the world caused media outlets to continually dig for new stories and possible explanations for all these deaths, much to the dismay of the families of the deceased and the residents of Bridgend. The small town was horrified at so many deaths, especially since several of the suicides involved family members or close-knit friends. Parents would become obviously concerned when a friend of one of their own childs took their own life as they feared that this spreading trend of death would come to their own family as well. Parents would make their kids swear to them that they would never do such a thing, and to let them know if they needed help or someone to talk to. Unfortunately, some of these same kids would end up taking their own lives, sometimes even within days of making these promises to their parents. What made many of these deaths so shocking and unexplained is the lack of warning and reasons for the suicides. With few exceptions, there were no suicide notes or letters of any kind that were left behind that would detail the thoughts and intentions of the recently deceased. In many of the cases, the families recounted how their loved ones seemed so complacent and even happy, and that they had no idea that suicide was even an option for them. An article that was written in December of 2008 stated that in the previous two years, at least 25 young people in or around Bridgend had killed themselves. For the majority of the cases, the police did not treat the deaths as suspicious, or suspect foul play. A spokesman mentioned that while there are some similarities in the manner of deaths between the number of suicides, there didn't appear to be a criminal element to it. Also, the police never found any evidence or links to suggest that the cases were connected in any way. Of those 25 people who killed themselves between January 2007 and February 2009, all but one died from hanging with the exception being a 15-year-old who would die by laying out on the tracks in front of a train. After this initial surge of suicides that sparked global attention, the rates of those taking their own lives has fortunately since dropped a little. The Office of National Statistics reports that the rate of suicides in 2010, averaged across England and Wales, was 11.1 per 100,000 people. In the same report... The area of Wales around Bridgend had the highest suicide rates, at 14.6 per 100,000. Five years later, this number had dipped slightly to 13 suicides per 100,000 in Wales, though this is still above the average. While the numbers have seemed to subside a little, there are still cases of suicides among young people that continue to this day. In 2013, there was a documentary released called Bridgend, which detailed the story of the deaths and interviewed those in relations to the deceased. One of those interviewed was a 20-year-old named Justin Beecham, who was best friends with Thomas Davies, one of the suicides mentioned earlier. Though upset and shocked at the time, Justin claimed that he was getting by now, even going so far as to stating on camera that he would never kill himself like his friends did, as he knew it would cause too much pain for his family. To remember Thomas, he even had a tattoo on his leg, in memory of his lost friend. However, on the three-year anniversary of his best friend's death, just a few months after his interview for the documentary, Justin attempted to hang himself from a tree, adjacent to the very ones that his friends Thomas and David had used to kill themselves three years earlier. The tree limb failed to hold, and Justin was picked up by an ambulance, but was later released from the hospital shortly after once a psychiatric nurse deemed he was low risk to harm himself again. Back at home several hours later, Justin said to his mother that it was lucky for you it snapped, and that she would not see him again. Soon thereafter, he ran out of the house. In the early hours of the next morning, the police would find Justin's dead body hanging from his belt from a tree near his house. The death of this father-to-be again sparked attention to the suicides even years after the initial surge had apparently subsided. Along with the attention the suicides received on social sites, Bridgend grew in infamy when the news media started reporting the high number of suicides plaguing the town. The amount of suicides prompted some reporters to even nickname Bridgend the Death Town, which would just go on to spread the popularity of the stories even more. The role of the media in the deaths would be sharply criticized by both the residents of the area and the authorities. Vincent and Sharon Pritchard, whose deceased son Nathaniel was mentioned earlier, claimed these reports glamorized ways of taking one's life to young people. The Pritchards addressed the media in a press conference at the South Wales Police Headquarters as the law enforcement was reviewing the growing number of deaths in the area. During the conference, Mrs. Pritchard would say, We have lost our son, and the media reporting of this has made it more unbearable. We feel the media coverage could trigger other people who are already feeling low to take their own lives. We feel that Nathaniel might have thought it was a way of getting attention without fully thinking through the consequences. Assistant Chief Constable David Morris urged reporters to think about how they may be influencing young people. When asked about the link between the recent deaths, Morris stated, It is you, the media, taking one's own life may be becoming an acceptable option to young people for issues that they are facing. We are speaking to young people in Bridgend and what we are getting from them is that the media is starting to contribute to their thoughts in terms of how they feel, pressures they are under and Bridgend becoming stigmatized through the media. A local parliament member, Madeline Moon, also claimed the media attention was now part of the problem. Moon spoke out against the media for sensationalizing the suicides and giving young people in the area a reason to copy their lost friends. While speaking on a local radio show, Moon would say Absolutely everything I've seen from the description of Bridgen as a death town, suicide town, talking about suicide cults, is absolutely disgraceful and has actually created additional risk for young people. In an attempt to prevent further copycat deaths, in 2010, police asked the media to stop covering the suicides. Since then, it is believed that this move has helped, as the number of suicides has decreased, Though it is hard to say for sure, since news of such deaths are no longer being made to the public. One of the driving questions behind the bridge and suicides remains, what exactly was the cause behind all the deaths? As the media powers descended upon the Welsh town, and news of these tragedies spread, curious and morbid onlookers from all over the world try to come up with an explanation behind it. Even while looking up information on this case today, years after the majority of the suicides took place, I have read comments from people who are convinced that there had to be some type of connection between all the deaths, or some unknown driving fact that was causing so many people in this relatively small area to take their own lives at such a higher rate. I've seen some comments from those who criticize and ridicule the police for not being able to find such a link that was causing this epidemic. Many are certain that something strange is going on, and that the public doesn't know about it, or that the authorities are keeping it a secret. Some at the time theorized that perhaps it was an underground or secretive internet suicide cult that was luring in young and impressionable people. I've read a few different sources saying that this cult was influencing troubled and depressed teens into giving in and joining the trend, taking their own lives by hanging themselves. This death cult, or whatever it was supposed to be, was brainwashing many in the Bridgend area convincing them to take their own lives to escape the pains of their reality. Though there isn't much evidence behind such claims, it is known that a number of the teens in the area used the same social media site, Bebo. On this site, a number of posts were made about the deaths and suicides of their friends, and gained a lot of attention, with some comments sympathizing with their actions. Some would even make suggestions that they might follow suit. The authorities in Bridgen feared that some of these memorial posts online served to romanticize the deaths. Though this explanation may not be a one-all solution, it could be possible that the widespread talks and almost glamorization of the suicides could have influenced a few others as well, ultimately leading to their deaths. Though it's possible that social media played a part in the number of suicides, I personally don't think a secret type of internet cult was involved, but rather just the exposure of seeing post after post of suicides on the site that could have had the ability to push several young minds over the edge. Still, there were other theories and explanations that were even more far-fetched and on the fringe. Of course, with any situation like this, you are always going to have some people who think that there could be a paranormal or supernatural element to it. Some believe that the region is haunted, or that evil spirits are infecting young minds and driving them to take their own lives. There were still more explanations stating that there is simply something in the air, or the local food, or even in the drinking water, that was causing higher levels of depression and mental anguish, and that that's the reason why there were so many deaths. As it is now, some years after the story of the bridge and suicide spread across the world, it would seem that more people can take a more logical look at the issues. There are simpler explanations as to what is causing the higher suicide rate without having to bring in things like secretive cults or evil hauntings. While the media storm surrounding the deaths spun stories and came up with possible ways that connected the suicides together, trying to put the blame on one single force responsible, the actual facts and circumstances didn't back up their ideas. Philip Walters, who was the area coroner at the height of the suicide epidemic, explained that there really wasn't a common thread among the victims. In a statement, Walter said, There doesn't seem to be any particular reason. I'm given to understand that it's something that just happens. And Belfast it happened. Somebody from the police went there to find out more. And Scotland had a cluster also. I'm convinced it will go away again. I don't think it's got anything to do with Bridgend. In the documentary Bridgend that I brought up earlier in this episode, A number of teens were interviewed in an attempt to find the root cause of the suicides. Many expressed that there was something nothing to do in Bridgend, and that they felt lost and suffocated from boredom day after day after day, as they longed to escape their perpetual emptiness and boredom of the town. It would seem that the most likely cause of the Bridgend deaths was that it just happened to be a suicide cluster. Though not widely talked about, such clusters are actually fairly common, and have been throughout history. An example of such a thing that occurred in the States happened in 2009 in Palo Alto, California. There, five high school students killed themselves in a short time frame, again causing a panic-like state similar to what was seen in Bridgend. These deaths were followed up with a second wave of four more students who took their own lives successfully after each other in 2014. More examples of teen suicide clusters have been found throughout, in Germany, Australia, Japan, the United States, and Canada. Another name for this phenomenon is the Werther effect, named for Goethe's novel The Sorrows of Young Werther, which detailed the events that led a young man to kill himself with a gun to end the agony of unrequited love, and because he didn't fit into society of his day. This novel was published in 1774, and it prompted young men all over Europe to dress like the character Werther, and to take their lives in similar fashion. These type of events are also referred to as the contagion effect, or copycat suicides, but regardless of what they're called, they all work the same way. There is the first person to take their own life, and suddenly that removes the barrier around the process, and it makes it easier and more permissible for others to follow. Though perhaps not a suicide cluster by definition, in a previous episode of Strange Matters, we have talked about the infamous Aoki-Gahara Forest in Japan, which is widely known as the Suicide Forest. Through the years, there have been dozens, if not hundreds, of people who have walked into those woods with the intention of killing themselves. Similarly to Bridgend, the authorities in Japan there believe that the media stories and the popularization of the spot actually serve to increase the rates of suicides. Regarding this phenomenon of suicide clusters— Darren Matthews, the director of the Samaritans Charity, which serves at providing support for those in emotional distress or suffering suicidal thoughts, said, "...if one suicide happens in the community, it is as if permission has been granted to commit suicide, and it becomes a viable option, particularly if they identify with one of the people who has died. They think if that person has similar problems to them and has taken their own life, that is the way to deal with their own problems." In attempts to reduce the number of suicides in Bridgend, Welsh Assembly created a suicide prevention strategy. There's also a charity called Papyrus, which was created to help put an end to the suicides. Street signs and pamphlets showing numbers for the crisis hotlines were spread around the town, and access to mental health facilities and support were increased as well. Though suicidal deaths still happen in Bridgend, the numbers have fortunately decreased in the area, with the hopes that they will continue to do so. Those who have studied the phenomenon give warning, though, that while this particular cluster may be subsiding, others just like it have the chance to pop up anywhere in the world. It is highly recommended by mental health experts that anyone with suicidal thoughts and feelings should seek help immediately, such as calling the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number. If there is any silver lining to the tragic events that occurred at Bridgend is that it could serve as an example to other communities that could suffer similar fates and by following some of the practices to prevent unwanted attention spreading, and by also raising awareness for those who can help, many lives can be saved in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Strange Matters Podcast. If you would like to send feedback or have your own thoughts and opinions on this case, or have suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to get in touch with us. You can write us to our email at podcast at gmail.com, or you can send comments through our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Strange Matters Podcast is made possible by our generous donors on Patreon. For other listeners interested in supporting Strange Matters and helping us grow, on Patreon you can pledge a small monthly donation, and in exchange you can help us decide what topics to cover, as well as gaining access to monthly exclusive bonus episodes. For those interested, please visit our page at patreon.com slash strangematters, or visit the Support Us page on our website. For this episode, we would especially like to thank our newest patrons, Danny, Cheryl, Rich, and Pamela. So thanks a lot for helping support this podcast. Finally, we ask if you are listening to the show on iTunes, please take the time to leave a rating and a review. It helps us to read your feedback, and it also helps promote the podcast so we can continually reach new listeners. So until the next episode of the Strange Matters podcast, take care everyone.